And my, this is my uh, co-host, Benno. Um, I don't think you guys have interacted before, have you? Oh, pleased oh. to meet you, Florence. Nice to meet you, too. Oh, Thanks, right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks We've got two hours left. Me. Oh, my right. gosh. No pressure, oh my gosh. but, you know, you're going to carry us yeah. into that last hour. Oh, man. So this is the home stretch. This is crazy. There you go. Oh, man. We're, we're just feeling slightly delirious it. now, yeah. <laughs> So oh if we go gosh. off on tangents, I do apologise. So obviously, uh, Florence is coming on to uh, change it up a, a bit from the uh, normal wrestling chat we've had all day. Obviously, it goes <laughs> under the artist name Glitbiter. Um, just released a, a fantastic new EP, didn't you? Yes, I did. Well, I don't know if it's fantastic, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? Because obviously, there was quite a bit of time between um, the you know the last music you released and then um, and then the music that's just come out recently. Was that um, oh, was that? Yeah. Did the pandemic give you um, a chance to work on some new music then? Well, not necessarily new music. I've had this EP, the the EP that I just released. I've had it ready to go for ages now, and it's it was just a matter of. One, I mean, there was a lot of procrastination, mm. not going to lie. But <laughs> um, but I'll, also, I ran into some trouble where I had people who were going to help me with it, and then they didn't. So at, in the end, I just was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this myself. And um, I did most of it myself. I did have some help. I had a, one of my wonderful friends, Mike Balboa, who mixed a couple songs for me. But uh, but the in the end, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to mix it and that's going to be it. And I just needed like, it, after so long, I was like, I need to get something out there. Mm. So, um, so I did it and it, it's, you know, it's, it's out there, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I've been in, enjoying listening to it for sure. Um, but Thank I suppose, you. so like rewinding for the start for people who are unfamiliar, you are, um, mm -hmm. would you describe yourself as a, a synth wave artist? That seems to be something that's become, uh, you know, quite popular, you know, in the last couple of years. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's funny because I don't, because the, the true like hardcore people, they, my stuff is not synthwave at all. It's more like kind of dark synthy pop something. I, I don't know. You can describe it however you want. Um, because a lot of, a lot of people describe synthwave as just like pure straight up instrumental music that has like elements of the eighties or eighties music. Um, but in a, like used in a modern way. Um, mm -hmm. so my stuff isn't necessarily eighties, but it, you know, it takes, um, it, it takes ideas from synths, eighties synths and all of that. And I just kind of do my own thing with it. So I wouldn't, I, I'm not going to go out and be like, yeah, my stuff is synthwave because it's not really, but, um, but I'm very closely associated with that scene. Um, and to me, the synthwave scene, it's more of a scene and not really a genre. So I'm mm. like part of that community, part of that scene, but, um, but my music is, you can call it whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> what, what picked off that scene? Was it was it like you know? I think the obvious thing that comes to mind is like the Drive soundtrack and Kavinsky mm -hmm. and College and you know, maybe a bit of M83 as well. But would that be accurate? Would you say is that kind yeah. of yeah, like, yeah? And that say. I mean, those were those were definitely the the that's where the scene got its at least not necessarily start because it people have been making this kind of music for years now. And mm -hmm. I'm, I don't want to paint my, I'm not like a synthwave historian. There are a lot of people who are like, they're synthwave historians. That's what they, that's what they do. Um, but, um, but that's, I mean, that's where it really got a lot of popularity. It got from definitely from the drive soundtrack. Um, and yeah, M83, because like I was into M83, but it, when they were kind of, big I don't know was that like 10 years ago yeah. but um but yeah I never I didn't really get into synthwave until um what was it it was I, I the thing that really and also like because I saw Drive and mm. I liked the soundtrack it was cool and I liked I think I ended up um listening to the Kavinsky album but it wasn't really enough for me to go like oh man like I really need to find more of this music because I just didn't know there was any out there and I had no idea what to li listen to. But it wasn't until I found um, this uh, this act called Dance with the Dead who are, they're kind of like more darker, um, metal-oriented, uh, synth synthy. They do not describe themselves as synthwave either, but they're 
again part of that scene. I feel like um, I've had a massive faux pas here describing <laughs> anything as synth <laughs> I know, no, it's it's funny because I like again, like I'm associated with that with that scene. I love and I'm friends with a lot of people within that scene, but um, but it, but again, it's like I'm not going to be like, yeah, I'm synth, I'm a synthwave artist because mm. I'm like I'm not really, but. Um, but, uh, but so when I discovered this band dance with the, they kind of just started this rabbit hole or rabbit. Yeah. Um, I just went down a rabbit hole and found a bunch of there. I was like, Oh cool. There's like synthwave podcasts and there's labels that have synthwave artists. And from there, it just, I was just like, well, I, like I can write this kind of music because I've kind of been writing this kind of music, but I just never really had an outlet for it. So that was kind of the inspiration that started the Glitbiter project. Yeah, because um, obviously your name Glitbiter, you're obviously a huge Star Wars fan. Um, <laughs> would you like to explain to our listeners where that name comes from? Yes, of I'm course. Um, <laughs> yeah, Benno, because people, yeah. it's it's funny because people hear the hear the word Glitbiter and they do a double take because they're like, oh, did that did that start with a C or G there? <laughs> like, um, and um, totally like not necessarily like intentional because I just liked this word to begin with before I even realized that's what it sounded like. But, mm -hmm. um, but I do kind of like, there's a, people do a double take for it. Um, because you know, it's, it makes you remember me, which is, you know, something, something that I can at least, you know, have in my pocket. Um, but anyway, so the term glitbiter is actually a, in the Star Wars lore, and I don't believe it is canon, it is from Legends, so that's not official, um, but in lots of the Legends novels, uh, a glitbiter is a slang term for a drug addict. Wow. <laughs> um, a, a, person, <laughs> a person who is addicted to the spice glitter stem, um, which is mined on the planet Kessel. Again, Legends, not actual canon. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, of course I'm not like an advocate of drugs or anything. <laughs> I'm an advocate of, you know, don't do drugs, kids. They're bad. <laughs> but, uh, but it's funny. I was kind of like, well, I, <laughs> um, but I like when I, I obviously knew what the term meant, but I just liked the word so much because it sounds like glitter. I like glitter. Glitter's cool. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I was just like, yeah, you know what? I can. I can kind of make it so like when you listen to my music, it's almost like you're on drugs, but it's like, you're just listening to music, um, which I is like totally, totally hilarious. But, um, but yeah, and it just like, I don't know, it's, it's stuck. I don't know. I, I, I like it. It's fine. It's done, done me well so far. So <laughs> I can't complain. Oh, definitely. You must you yeah. must be buzzing as well by the fact I've just Googled Glitbiter and um, you are the... <laughs> before we... The seven things about you before we even get to uh, what it is in Wikipedia, which is obviously oh, the yeah. Star Wars no, uh, fandom. That's, that's the other thing that I really like about it is I totally, like, own the SEO for it. It's great. Like, sir, if you if you Google Glitbiter, it's just, it's all my stuff. And I'm like, cool, that's awesome. Like, I'm good. Like Wikipedia, it's down there, but um, but yeah, it's mostly it's mostly me. If you Google Glitbiter, so I'm uh, I can't complain because there are a lot of artists who, if you Google their name, you get like five million random results before you mm. actually find the artist. So hey, I'm easy to find on the internet. Can't again, can't complain. It's been great. I am, I'm not going to uh, Google Clipbiter, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the police will be knocking actually, on my door. Actually, actually. Um, Martin, I dare you to type in clitbiter.com. Okay. <laughs> if I if I get the feds smashing through the window it now. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, it just brings me. you it it brings you right to my band camp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing! Oh, that's smart marketing. I like that. Yep. Yeah, so, and because I was like, you know what, I better buy clitbiter.com just in case. So I do own clitbiter.com too. <laughs> that is awesome. You haven't had any uh, emails off anybody with a really weird fetish or anything then? <laughs> no, I have not. And I'm happy about that. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not famous or anything. So, you know, maybe in the future, who knows that'll what'll happen. But, um, 
but no, well it's been played. fine That's so brilliant, far. Though. That's brilliant. Well, well played on that. Um, but um, I suppose um, in terms of like music, obviously you've told us um, uh, why you got into the the genre. Um, but you've got a background in music, weren't you? Uh, were you classically trained? Because obviously, you know, as well as sort of like, you know, playing music, you uh, sing on the tracks as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I mean, I've always had music in my life. My family was very musical oriented, even though none of them were actually musicians. There was just a really high appreciation for music when I was growing mm. up within my family and friends and everything. And um, I started taking piano lessons in first grade. So, I've, you know, I took piano lessons throughout high school. Um, and then, um, and I always was singing. My mom did get me voice lessons at first because they, um, people told her like, don't get her voice lessons, like wait till her voice, like kind of like levels out. And then mm. in high school, that's when I started taking voice lessons. Um, so I was class, so I started the voice classically train training stuff in high school. And I studied that throughout, uh, college. Um, and I, in college, I ended up taking some um, Pro Tools classes. So I learned uh, I learned how to basically do computer recording and all of the basics of that. And when I, I for a really long time after I graduated college, didn't really do music at all. I was just like, yeah, I want to be a singer in a band. And I just didn't, again, I just didn't really have an outlet for it mm. because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But um but when when I discovered synthwave, I was like, well, I can like put together like electronic music on because I I know how to use. I had taught myself how to use Logic, uh, which is another DAW, um, because Pro Tools was too expensive. So I was like, okay, I'll just learn Logic. So I was like, <laughs> okay, um, I I'll like you know try and write a synthwave song, and it just kind of like tumbled 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 along, and I kind of found my own sound and. Um, so yeah, um, I've been doing music for a while, I guess it's, uh, but yeah, only in the last like few years have I really like done it. <laughs> well, so what uh, sort of stuff were your parents playing then? What sort of stuff did you grow up with? What were your like influences and things when you were, uh, you know, when you were a kid and a teenager? So I grew up, interestingly enough, like I love, now I love like electronic stuff, but I grew up with a lot of like classical music and I, my grand grandfather and my mom, they, you know, played like classic Broadway shows for me growing up. Like I was obsessed with Oklahoma by Rodgers and Hammerstein and my mom on her side, she listened to a lot of folk rock. So I grew up with like James Taylor, Jimmy Webb, Judy Collins, um, like, and so it's, it's it's funny because like, I don't necessarily it, like today, I don't necessarily go and listen to that music. Like I would maybe choose something else, but that's, um, it's heavily, it heavily in influenced me at least in terms of melody and chord progressions and stuff. So I feel like I have at least a good understanding of what a good song, like how a good song is written. Um, even though I was never like formally trained on songwriting. Uh, so, so yeah, it was, it, it's, uh, it's interesting. There wasn't a, it, like a lot of, like, I guess I didn't grow up listening to a lot of the very popular stuff. It was just kind of like, well, my mom, my mom liked this. And so I just listened to it and, uh, and it was great. You know, it's all really, really amazing stuff. So yeah. When you decided to start, sorry, when you decided to start okay. doing your own music, um, obviously you mentioned, you know, you had, you know, dreams to maybe, you know, start with abandoned stuff was that ever considered or were you like now this is sort of like solo project now that i want to do by myself or do did you ever look around sort of like because um you're based in la and obviously you know i imagine there's millions of musicians based in la um, was it something you were like oh look around and maybe join a band with this genre of music or were you always like now i'm gonna go solo with it well you know it's funny i i love i also love metal especially power metal and like symphonic power metal stuff like that when in high school i got into the band nightwish who if uh, back in the day their singer used to be an opera singer at their current mm. singer is pretty much an opera singer too um but i that blew my mind because i was like cool like this is something that like i i'm studying i'm studying opera and like here's this metal band that's like kind of just crossing the two genres it, so yeah again blew my mind so i always had this idea that i wanted to be in like either a metal band or an electronic band because I liked, you know, kind of that genre, that 
or those two genres. Um, but I just, again, I never really had a clear idea of what I, what I wanted to do. And, um, I didn't really have anyone that I could like, I don't know, get advice from, or like I, I had people I could get advice from, but I, I didn't want to just join a random band. I wanted it to be like friends of mine and like it, I, I don't know. I just waited a really long time and nothing ever happened because obviously if you don't do it <laughs> yourself, mm. like it, again, it's like, I kind of learned like if I do it myself, then things are going to happen. Um, so I never, again, like I never really, it never really happened for me. And I was like, Oh, it'd be really cool if I could do like vocals for something or do like session session work. Um, but again, again, nothing happened. But when, um, it was really when I, discovered synthwave and the synthwave world it's a lot of just bedroom producers which is essentially <laughs> what i am um and i was like cool it's like a lot of like you know solo acts or um you know duos or something who are just you know writing music in their bedroom they're not going to expensive studios and recording it's like you just record as you go it's like cool i'm back from work i'm gonna go sit down and write a song or something. And mm. I was like, cool, I have the skills to do that. Like, why don't I just be a solo act? So it was, it was really listening to those stories of those people and saying like, yeah, like I could do this because I am in literally in the same boat as a lot of these people. Um, they all, a lot of, a lot of them, they have full other full-time jobs. I mean, music is not my full-time job. I wish it was, but, um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I guess it was just, it was hearing about those solo acts that really like kind of lit a fire under my ass and been like, yeah, like go just do it yourself. It'll be fine. <laughs> so, so that's, uh, that's kind of what really started my doing music. Oh yeah, definitely. And were you sort of like, um, is there a big scene in LA of sort of like the genre of music you do? Um, there's, it's not a big scene there. The synthwave community slash scene is it's spread out all over the world. Um, so like I have some friends in Toronto, I have some friends in France, I have some like, and just like all over the, um, all over the United States too. So like if I go, um, like I grew up in New York. So if I go back to New York, I have a ton of synthwave friends over there, um, as well. But the scene in LA is like, it's, it's not huge. Like it can't, you know, it's, it's hard to get people to come to shows. Like I can get maybe like, there's like 10 core members, but then there, you know, there's other like outliers who, who come, come to events every now and then. Um, but it's mostly, the community is mostly online. So, um, but it's, it's also, it's also good just because it's even though I'm in LA just because I'm in this kind of smaller scene within like the bigger music, um, LA scene, I'm more of a big fish in a small pond than I would be if I was just a random like genre artist in Los Angeles. So, um, so that's been cool because it's, it has, it's been actually pretty easy to get shows because, mm. um, I've been really lucky. I've just been, I've, I'm friends with a lot of people who are like, you know, they're, they want to put on synthwave shows. And so I get asked to play occasionally and it's really great. So, um, so yeah, like it's, it's strangely not terrible being in LA as a synthwave artist. <laughs> I know you played like the Whiskey A Go Go and some like iconic venues around LA. Um, how do you find performing? So obviously it's just you up there on your own. I suppose you, you have got the keyboard, but a, a lot of your songs, you sort of like move from be behind that as well. How do you find sort of like performing live? I love performing live. I, if I could do live shows all the time, that's what I would do. I think it's, it's one, because I, I mean, I can, for when I'm actually producing a song and singing, like, you know, I can sing a song, like if I'm recording vocals, I will sing it like 10, 20 times until I get it perfect. Um, so it's like, there's less of, it's, it's not necessarily easier, but it's like, there's less at stake, but you know, when you're playing live, it's like, you're, you're on, you're, you're in the spotlight. So you only have one chance to get it, get it good. 
So um, I like the challenge of it. And it, mm. strangely enough, I like a lot of people don't like that, but um, I'm at least confident enough that I'm not going to like be a total disaster case on stage <laughs> most of the time. So, uh, but yeah, no, so I, I like the challenge of it. And again, like I, um, I studied classical voice. So most of that has been like, you know, being in a recital hall with a pianist, there's nothing amplified um, besides mm. just the acoustics of the room. But singing into a microphone and having like monitors in your face and everything, that's a whole different story. And that's something I wasn't trained on. So I'm still like trying, even after I've almost played probably like 20 shows now, but I'm still trying to figure that out and get it and perfect it. So, um, so yeah, again, I like the challenge and I just, I like that at the end of the show, it's like you get instant gratification. It's not like you're waiting for people to buy your album. It's just like you're done. And most of the time, like your friends are there, which I mean, maybe there's two people there, but like still it's, um, yeah, I, I like the instant gratification of it too. It's, it's great. Um, well, I think you say that as well, but you have performed shows in sort of like New York and Toronto and you you seem to be like pre-pandemic sort of like, you know, getting quite, um, you know, a heavy list of, of shows together. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. And I when I played in New York, that that was cool because, again, I have like a lot of synthwave friends in New York and my um, most of my family's in New York. So like I had a lot of people there f who uh, <laughs> who came to see me, which is really cool. Um and the actually one of the coolest things that happened, um, my my like one rock star experience was when uh, I got asked to open for Drab Majesty. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with those guys, but they're uh, they're kind of like a a dark wave uh, band, like gothy type of band, mm. um, and they like they're. They're big, they're LA based, but they're um, like, they're, they're pretty well known in like the kind of dark new wave, uh, like cold wave scene, I suppose. Um, and I got asked to open for them in Kansas, which is in the middle of the United States. So I actually got flown out to Kansas to open for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was cool because I was like, awesome. Like, I don't, I, I didn't have to pay for anything. I only had to pay for like, um, like a meal at the airport on the way back. Mm. And I was like, wow, cool. Like, oh, I'm going to do this all the time. This is great. <laughs> um, but you know, so that was, that was really awesome. Um, but I mean, most of the time the shows that I play are, they're local. Like I actually did play a, like a post pandemic show, um, a few weeks ago at the end of June. Um, and I just, my friends had a, uh, an album release party and I opened for them. Um, and it was, it was at, like the, the turnout was pretty good for being post pandemic and being mm -hmm. a small simply show. So I'll, again, can't complain. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no, I, I hope that things are going to ramp back up because I, I do love traveling and, you know, me meeting people and who are, at least I know a lot of people on the internet who I've never met. Um, but, uh, but actually like meeting those people in person, those people in person and just, you know, being, or meeting new people too. So it's, I hope that, uh, I hope that I can play more shows. When you got the booking for Kansas, were you like, Kansas? I, I can't, I don't know. I don't know if it's just my, uh, literally, brain, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I just don't imagine that sort of music going down well in Kansas. Was it, a, was it a big turnout and stuff? It was, well, it was at a, it was at a pretty small venue because like mm. Dra the, the band Drab Majesty, they, they'll, they'll sell out a pretty large venue here in LA, but, um, they played essentially it was a bar, um, mm. but they sold out the bar. So it was strangely like they, and nobody there was really there for me, but, um, but again, I was able to just, you know, absorb their, <laughs> absorb <laughs> their crowd, which is great. Um, but, uh, but no, it was like, it was pretty packed. It was really packed. So, um, strangely enough, Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so, in terms of like you mentioned, sort of like the pandemic, then obviously that's sort of, that will have put a big, uh, you know, 
a big halt to sort of like touring plans and things like that. How is it sort of like going in LA? Are you uh, still having restrictions? Restrictions been lifted? Uh, you know, you, you did mention that you played one gig. Um, have you got any other sort of like gigs coming up um, in the summer and beyond? I don't have any gigs coming up. It's um, it's so LA's been doing really well, pandemic-wise. Um, ex until two days ago when um they they were like before that they were lifting all the restrictions and everything mm -hmm. was getting back to sort of normal like people were still wearing masks here and there but you could you actually kind of felt like it was more normal which was really nice but then there was a spike two days ago we heard about it and i think it's probably because people were not careful during fourth of july um mm. which uh you know that's people kind of probably gathered a little too much um again but again it's like the unvaccinated people are the ones who are uh who are getting the the short end of the stick here um mm -hmm. but uh but so yeah so everything so we have to wear masks again now so they're requiring masks inside but um it we're still kind of waiting on how this is going to affect everyone in a larger sense <laughs> yeah. um but uh but it was but i mean i'm i'm happy that at least i got that one show in <laughs> oh yeah but definitely. uh yeah is it affected but, sort yeah. of like over here um in the uk obviously a lot of um you know venues have had to close down because they can't afford to keep going losing like um, almost yeah. a year's worth of like money is that been the same where you are because obviously there are a lot of sort of like really famous venues um around la and things are they still managing to sort of keep afloat i haven't heard of any really kind of famous big venues closing um i've heard of a few event a few like you know obviously restaurants and venues and stuff like that they've they didn't make it um luckily most of the ones that i really like are still around at least mm. they're you know fingers crossed. Um, for example, there's, uh, my favorite venue in LA and I have not played the, um, this venue, the Troubadour, which is pretty famous. Um, yeah. that is still going as far as I know, but at the beginning, pretty much at the beginning of the pandemic, that was like on the chopping block. And I was like, Oh my God, no, I just, I really want this to be around because I want to play the Troubadour mm. one day. Um, but as far as I know, it's still there. Um, Hopefully someone saved it or something. I don't know, but um, but I still get emails from the Troubadour, so fingers crossed again. But uh, but yeah, I mean there there've been smaller places that have that didn't quite make it, so it's it's sad. But but I mean new places will pop back up too once everything yeah. does kind of get going again. Um, yeah, that's a good right way of looking at it. Yeah. Because um, obviously yeah. the music industry has been affected quite heavily, hasn't it, in, in this? I know even like big recording artists, you know, are saying how much it's sort of like affected them in terms of not being able to tour and, it's, and things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but so many, there's so many big artists who are posting about tours these days. So mm. <laughs> hopefully, I mean, hopefully we can at least stay in this direct, go, keep going in this direction and not fuck it up. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Apart from sort of like your music, of course, there were some, you know, some people who might not have sort of like be familiar with this genre of music. Who were some people you would re recommend to um, sort of like check out or maybe user friendly um, as sort of like a gateway into this sort of like um, genre of music? I know um, <laughs> Carpenter Brew is like a, a big, a big name artist in, in sort of like that genre, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Yes. And Carpenter, you should definitely check out Carpenter Brute if you don't know about him. Um, if if anything, go watch his video for Turbo Killer. It is mm. probably the best music video I've ever seen in my life. Like, like, I know that's that's a bold statement, but it's <laughs> it is it is my favorite music video. It's incredible. Um, Carpenter's Carpenter Brute's really good. He's more of the kind of darker synth um side of things uh if you do like that darker sense side of things um another one that i really like is perturbator um people also say perturbator but i say perturbator <laughs> um he's his his newer stuff is more industrial but his uh like stuff from like 
four or five years ago is more uh, is very much more synthy and like kind of almost eighties influence again that like really darker uh, darker synth tone. Um, oh man, I wish I had like a good a good list. Wait, I should like go through my Spotify and like make sure I'm giving you good artists because so like the. Um, the one kind of po for like the kind of lighter, more eighties sounding stuff. Um, the one like poster boy artist is the midnight, but I'm not going to tell you to listen to the midnight. Um, but, uh, I mean, they're, they're fine, but, um, let's see. Are they I considered say... like the, the midnight considered like the, the too big for, um, sort of like the, uh, the scene then. Yeah. They're, they, they've, they've outgrown the scene a little bit. Um, <laughs> but. But I mean, they are—they're a gateway drug, so um, can't complain too much. They have some—they have some good songs. But if you do like that type of stuff, um, definitely listen to FM eighty four. They're—they're really great. They're also kind of one of the bigger artists in the scene. Um, let's see, local LA synthwave people. Droid Bishop is one of the really awesome ones. Um, go give him some love because he's amazing. Um, Man, off the top of my head, Dynatron is really cool. He's kind of like spacey, spacey, synth wavy, kind of almost dark wavy. It's his stuff is great. Um, there seems oh man. to be a lot of sub subgenres to this. How do, you, uh, yes, how do you manage to keep up with them all? <laughs> oh my god, I don't even know. Um, I really, I, I really don't. I like because I just kind of describe stuff the way I think it is but like there's there's some people who are like very they segment everything into genres mm. and I'm like I don't really care like it's like if I like it I'm gonna listen to it like I don't care what I don't care what genre it is um let's see what do I have what do I have here uh <laughs> you should have told me to list everyone before I got on here uh no I, um, I do apologize it just came to me now. no no no, it's okay. Um, I I'm gonna give you some more. I I don't know. Well, yeah, listen to Dance with the Dead too. Their, their stuff is great. Um, I think I, I think you gave before. us a, a pretty good list for people uh, wanting wanting to get in there. Um, would you say the artists you've uh, are they all like big influences on you? Are they are they influences for mm. me? Yeah. Um. Oh wait. So wait. Sorry. Are are these particular artists influ or what what has in Wait, yeah, sorry. What sorry. has influenced you in 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 the music <laughs> that you're doing currently? Um, let's see. Well, I mean, those artists that I listed for sure. It's it's funny because like a lot of a lot of my influences, I feel like I'm I take influences not in terms of sound, but in terms of just like how people go about things. I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um. I don't, yeah, because like, I, because I, I love all the artists that I just listed. They're like, I wouldn't consider them like direct influences or anything, but I, um, I don't, I don't know. It's like influ influences are, are like a strange conversation for me always because again, I like don't want to copy people. So I, mm. I take ideas like chord progressions and like, for example, like one of my biggest songwriting songwriter influences is Jimmy Webb, who is known as a very like he's a famous songwriter, but not not necessarily a performer. He wrote a lot of country music for Glenn Campbell. Um, wow. If you know that, if you know the song um, "The Highwayman," like he wrote that. He wrote "Wichita Line Man," Kansas, um, and then also like the song "MacArthur Park," which Donna Summer sang. Um, and he's he's an amazing songwriter, and so I'm influenced by the way he writes his music and his chord progressions are just really brilliant. And I love that. Um, so I take, I'm, I kind of like make a patchwork quilt of all my influences and like for, you know, the, all the synthwave artists, I like the synth sounds that they use. So, you know, that's part of what I, what I take. And, you know, again, I'm not, I don't want to copy these people. Um, so I just kind of take like little things from each person um but uh but yeah yeah there you go 
No, that's a good that's a good way to look at it. Like you said, you know, when they're being out and out copying, so it must be difficult talking about your influences. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. always good to sort of like you know learn from different things that have come about. So um, what what's what's going to be next for you? Are you waiting on what's happening with the uh, you know the pandemic situation in California? Are you going to be working on? Now obviously you've just released uh, some new music, uh, but you're constantly you're one of those people who's constantly writing new stuff or coming up with like ideas for things. Well, um. No, I'm not constantly writing all the time. I wish I was one of those people, <laughs> but um, but I would overwhelm myself if I did that. I have to be in like a really like special mindset to um to be able to write music and mm. um like it it happens like I don't know, few times few times a month usually um for me, but uh, but I you know for future like immediate future hopefully I'll you know. I'll get some more shows to play, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, I am, I think I'm going to be doing a live stream pretty soon in a couple months. So, uh, so if you're interested, keep an eye out for that. Um, but, uh, but you know, live shows, that's, that's my true love. So hopefully there will be more of that. And, um, and yeah, no, I have, you know, very kind of vague plans of a potential full length album, which wow. I, because I, I'd love, I'd, I really want to release a full length album only, mm. um, I've been, you know, having this conversation with a lot of people, uh, like is, is it better to release a full length album these days or is it better to just release singles? And mm. I think that singles do better, which is crazy. And it, like, I mean it, but it also makes sense. And it's, it's kind of just disheartening because I, I want to, you know, make a full length. Um, and I think, you know, the way to maybe get around that is to do like a, to write a full length album, but release kind of a chain of single singles. And I've seen a lot of bigger artists do that lately. So I'm like, maybe that's the way to go. Um, but yeah, yeah it's maybe is it difficult strange, navigating it now as a, uh, sort of like, because obviously the music, you know, how you get it out there and how people pay for it and things like that is ever changing more so than it has ever. You know, back in the day, no matter what genre of music you were, it was like, I need to get a record deal and I'm sorted and then I can go on a tour and people pay for things for me and stuff. But now, obviously, even like, um, there's um, a big metal band uh, near to me called While She Sleeps and they had like, um, they have millions and millions of streams and, uh, you know, you know, subheadlined. You know, the download pilot that you're starting. Like, you know, they sell merch by the bucket load, and even they've had to sell Patreons and things like that. And I think even their album went to number four in the charts because that doesn't mean anything anymore, does it? So it's like, do you find oh, it yeah. hard sort of navigating? Obviously, you've got you know your uh, your full time jobs to fall back on, but do you find it hard navigating on how to sort of like be a a musical artist in uh, in 2021 despite the pandemic? Oh yeah, no, there's literally like no. I mean, there are a few good ways to make money. Um, but if you're just releasing music and putting that on streaming services and, um, like, again, like I'm not, I'm no like famous artist. So, you know, I make a couple bucks here on Bandcamp every now and then, um, because band Bandcamp is kind of the generally, generally the, the thing that a lot mm-hmm. of people like, at least in, as like an indie artist, just because you pay, you, you know, you actually pay for the music files as opposed to just streaming because like, I don't know, I get like a few bucks of, uh, a month from Spotify. It's like insane. Um, when, you know, I have like a few hundred streams every now and then. So yeah, like it, it sucks because you know, I'm not, you don't really get money at all. Mm. It's, um, I think the, the way, uh, a good way to get money, which I, I'd love to, to get into is have your music licensed for, uh, for film, for movies, TV shows, uh, um, commercials, stuff like that. And that there's, there's paychecks there for sure. Um, so I'm interested in kind of getting into that world. Um, so yeah, that's, I don't know. That's like something that I'm like in the, in the future, I want to investigate that. But, uh, but I mean, like, again, I'm not, I'm not really, this is not my full-time job, so I'm Mm. not trying to, to like reap all the benefits I can. Like it's, it's really, it's been an amazing fun ride for me. And I, you know, I like, I like doing what I do just because it's, it's awesome. I get to meet cool people. I get to go to shows and, you know, do all this stuff. So, um, 
and I I don't want it to become too much of a job. No. You know? That's the issue trying to make that balance, isn't it? You absolutely need to get some merch out there. You've got this brilliant logo that is just dying to be put on a, a hoodie or a t-shirt. <laughs> um, so, okay, don't don't worry. There's going to be some merch in the future. I literally have a, uh, like a, a little test Glit Fighter t-shirt right in back of me right now. There's a oh, prototype. Wow. I have a prototype, so it's it's coming. Don't worry. <laughs> Excellent. I'm, I'm very just, happy to hear that. I just got to figure out placement of everything and like mm. the right color, but um, but I should have something out there pretty soon. So awesome. don't worry, it's it'll it'll come. But I do <laughs> have pins. I have it. little I have little enamel pins. I got those at least. Indeed. Um, so I suppose music aside, that's uh, all going really well for you, but. Um, I sort of knew you pre-Glitbiter, obviously, you know, doing podcasts together and stuff like that, because you were a regular at the uh, Mecca, one of the uh, American Meccas of wrestling that's sadly been knocked down now, the uh, the Legion Post, and I swear, you, uh, was it 2015? 2015, you were so. pretty much at every PWG show. What were some of your yeah, sort of, like, the... favorite memories of going to Bowler and some of the wrestlers oh that came through there? Well, well obviously... The non-problematic ones, because obviously there were a few dodgy wrestlers that came through receded. But some of your memories of going there, because obviously it was always on people's lists to go there as like, um, you know, an iconic wrestling venue. I know. And that's and we actually met you for for real in person um, because you got to come with us. Um, Yeah. So, well, let me I'll just for wrestling. The reason why I was into wrestling, I was I was like a total new newbie in the wrestling world because my wonderful cousin, Kristen, who goes by Wanda one Oh two, uh, on the internets. Um, she has been into wrestling forever and we, um, we like didn't really hang out when we were very little growing up, but then, uh, we were both in LA and started hanging out, um, probably around 2014. And, um, she always liked wrestling. And so she was always over watching uh, or, or she, I was over at her house and they would always be watching pay-per-views, WWE mm. pay-per-views. And, um, and I was like, this is kind of fun. Like I, I, it's the last thing I thought that I would ever get into, but this is kind of awesome. And, you know, her, <laughs> her explanations and commentary on everything were, was really great. And so we, um, so she was always like into, like WWE, but we started actually going to shows and she started looking into it more. So I just kind of like followed her path and she obviously discovered PWG. And so we, um, the first PWG show we went to was the last PWG show in 2014, which I believe was black coal sun. Um, so it was, it was Adam Cole's quote unquote last PWG PWG show before he mm. went to ROH full time, but then he eventually came back after that. Um, but uh, but we had an absolute blast. It was just you know the the coolest thing we had ever seen in our lives because it was like again the um, the late Legion um, American Legion Hall, which hosted the original PWG shows, was it was this tiny tiny little room. I mean, probably everyone listening to this knows what it is anyway. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it was this tiny little room and they, cr- they packed a ton of people in there. This would be like a nightmare post pandemic, but, um, mm. everyone was just really, really into it. Everyone was a really big fan and you, you know, you checked your disbelief at the door and you just, you know, you got, you were just immersed in it. It was to- like total like wrestling immersion, even though like the lighting was shitty. It was, mm. there was like never any air conditioning. It was, like the the place was terrible. None of the toilets in the bathroom work. There's like one toilet in the women's bathroom that like everyone was like, okay, we got to get that one because it flushes, you know. But it was it was just an experience, and it was really um, it, it was awesome. And I think in like 2015 we went to pretty much every PWG show. Um, I think it was the 2015 Battle of Los Angeles. So that was what the second night of that is. Oh man, I got a. It was Drew Calloway versus, God damn it. Mike um, Bailey. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Classic PWG match. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was 
that was one of my favorite matches in the world. That was, and there was another, um, there was a Lucha match that night too, where people started actually throwing money into the ring. Mm. It was just, that was definitely my like highlights of my like wrestling foray, (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) Um, because I, I have not, uh, just to be honest, I, I am not caught up on wrestling these days. I think I pretty much like cut off wrestling, like around 2017. I just haven't really been into it. Mm. Um, which is like, it's funny because all of the like PWG people have gone over to AEW and I'm like, Oh, I should watch AEW because like, you know, I know all those guys, but, um, but I just I haven't gotten around to it. But uh, I don't know. One of these days I will, and I'll I'll love it. And I'll I'll end up just falling down that rabbit hole again. But um, but yeah, yeah it good, always good it always grabs you back. Yeah, it's yeah, funny good. because I was actually reviewing a show um, a couple of months ago, and it was the uh, Kenny Omega against Mike Bailey show from one of, uh, Mike Bailey match from one of the PWG shows, and uh, mm-hmm. you were all in the front row as uh, Kenny was getting his yeah. uh, toy chainsaw out. That was a uh, that's yep. gone down as a sort of like a classic modern PWG match as well. Oh, that's great! Yeah, no, that I I do remember that we were in the front row. <laughs> I was going to say think... just to cut in, like I think like if you go and if you go into Reseda and you go into PWG shows in that period, like you've started at the top really there, haven't you? Like the amount of like people like me who are, you know, watching from a distance and watching the DVD months later when it comes out are just jealous of, you know, the fact that you get to go to those shows and get to go to, you know, see know. years worth of shows and stuff. Like how do you, how after that, like how do you like kind of keep, you know, I, watch any exactly. other wrestling or, or keep up with it? You're not going to be watching a, even AEW, I think watching it on TV probably would live up to, uh, to that live atmosphere. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely there was something really special about it. Um, yeah, and now they're they're doing PWG still exists. They're doing it at uh, the Globe Theater, which is um, this. Yeah, it's like a basically a venue, like a music venue. I've seen. Yeah. I've seen they fought for years, before. didn't they? From like moving from that venue and moving there, like uh, pe- people have given like strong reviews of of the of the new place, even if it's maybe not quite the same. Oh yeah, no, and like seriously, I. I'm super like if I know there's actually a PWG show that uh, I did not get to. I didn't even know about it until everyone was like, oh, we're going to the PWG show. I'm like, oh, maybe I would have liked to do that. <laughs> but um, but who knows, you know, um, but uh, but like I, you know, if if, if it happened, if I was able to go to the next one, like, sure, I'll I'll go. I have no problem with the globe, the globe like it's. There's working bathrooms there. They have like more <laughs> drink options. It's easy. It's like right on the train. Uh, you can take the. You can actually take public transportation there. It's great. Um, so can't really. I don't know. Can't complain. But but yeah. No. There's something really really special about the um, the uh, the Legion, the American Legion Hall. Um, and it's it's funny because I'll you know I'll I'll explain this to people who aren't really wrestling fans. Um, and I'll be like, yeah, no, like PWD was like so special and blah, blah, blah. And I, like, I'll, I'll bring up like, um, like videos because of course there's the classic video. I was not, um, in the crowd for this. This is actually probably a couple of years before we started going, but there's that classic video of where everyone, um, the entire crowd goes in slow motion. Um, mm. was, I forget, I forget the wrestler wrestling wrestlers in that but um but just i mean pw just type in pwg slow motion you'll find it um but you know i'll show people that video and they're like what they like they just don't get it and i'm like okay like <laughs> you just have to be there <laughs> like, is that the grenade spot with uh, chuck taylor i do remember that being like a slow motion I, yeah one. yeah no i think it, it was chuck taylor and oh man now i gotta look this up pwg slow motion let's see Oh yeah, it was Bola 2014, so it was the year before mm. started going. Uh, yeah, um, I can see Gresham in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So good, good times. But yeah, like people, y- you just kind of have to be there to understand if you are not a wrestling fan. But but yeah, so I'm I'm very grateful that I got to experience that. <laughs> do you feel Do you feel like it it attracted a lot of non-wrestling fans because it was like the hot ticket obviously everyone remembers mm. so um sophia vergara being there and obviously uh who was <laughs> it from, um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and who was it from um boy meets world um topanga was obviously the character's name i can't remember and then a, a bunch of other oh. celebrities have gone down there yeah 
Oh, Remember weird. Joey I don't Janella remember. was having his picture taken with her. Yeah, yeah she, he, was, he was there with Sophia Verar, however you say your last name. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, I remember like them being in the front row. I'm like, well, that, that's cool. Celebs. Um, yeah, no, it's, and it's funny. You know who I actually saw there? I saw the, do you know the band Tiger Army? Mm, I'm not no? very. They're, they're like a, like a, a psychobilly band that I was really into, um, when I used to be really into the band AFI, uh, they were like friends with all of those because they grew up together. Um, but the singer of Tiger, me, Nick 13, he like was in line at PWG and I was like freaking out because I'm like, Oh my God, what is he doing here? <laughs> like this has nothing to do with Tiger, me like, Oh my gosh. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was cool to just like see who showed up and, you know, of course there was a lot, I forget everyone's names, but there were a lot of comedians who showed up there too, because, you know, um, comedy and improv and wrestling go hand mm. in hand. So, you know, there, there were a ton of those guys too. Um, like Mark yeah, it was always... sort of style people yep. from the comedy store. Yeah. Yeah, cool. exactly. Yeah. So it was always, it was always fun to see who would, who would show up. That's awesome. It's such a shame they knocked it down. I think we actually went to the last ever show there. They were talking about buying it at the show we were at, and then obviously yeah. that never came to fruition. But, you know, better for the fans to go to somewhere that's got uh, working toilets and, uh, you know, a bar you haven't got to, like, climb over three rows of wrestlers <laughs> and selling their merch yep. by the ring and stuff. Seriously, Benno, if you want to leave, if you're sat in the middle of that venue, like we all were in a, in a row, and you want to leave during a match, you've got absolutely nope. no chance. God, yeah, no, no, I, exactly. I'd hate that. Oh, imagine and, it now with COVID times. God, oh, no. that's not happening. Yeah, and, and also not only what did they like pack everyone in, like, you know, a lot of times the wrestlers would just come into the crowd and you had to just pick up pick your shit up and just move to the side because you know, somebody was smacking someone with your chair, you know? <laughs> so there was, and it was, you just got a front row seat. There was like a pile of bodies like in the floor. It's like, Oh, I was just sitting there, but now they're wrestlers. <laughs> so, but then, but then very quickly people would just kind of like put the chairs back and it was just kind of a, it was a known thing. Like, you know, this is going to happen. So, you know, be ready. They were definitely the template for like every indie promotion that is currently running, sort of like in America and especially over here in the UK, just still putting on those hot matches and stuff. Yeah, there was. This, oh, yeah. They seem to some of the stuff. might, I know, obviously they'll probably do well ticket wise and stuff, but they don't seem to be like you know back when you were going. It was like you know everyone waited three months for those bowler DVDs and stuff, and I feel like they might have got lost in the shuffle a bit. But I suppose that's a a conversation for another another day because uh thank you so much for joining us really really appreciate you taking time out to talk about obviously you know being a music artist during the pandemic and your career and obviously your uh, experience is going to pwg um where can people sort of find out more about you and uh, check out your music well you can always google glitbiter um <laughs> because you know type find in glitbiter.com um, <laughs> yes glitbiter with a c you can totally do that too seriously um but yeah no go uh i'm i'm on mostly instagram twitter uh and um bandcamp is the best way to buy my music um and keep an eye out for t-shirts because i think that's going to happen soon but yeah at glitbiter um, or glitbiter.com, glitbiter.bandcamp.com. Um, essentially, just Google Glitbiter and you'll find me. Um, and I'm on Spotify and all the streaming stuff too. So, whatever Apple works music. for yep. listeners. Yep, Apple Music. Indeed. Indeed. Like well, it's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you so much. I know you're uh, you're very busy, so uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, come no. and chat with us today. No, thank you so much for having me, and this is for a really great cause. So I'm I'm very I'm very happy.